the feel nuts. Episode 158. This one's lit, fam. The Feel Nuts Podcast. Christian news from around the globe. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. It is the glory of God to conceal a thing, but the honor of kings is to search out a matter. Explore the vast reaches of God's word. Hello, all you Theo Pyros out there. I'm David Gaddy. I'm Jeremiah Orr. And together we are the, the Theonauts. Dude, where have you been? I've been looking all over for you. What has it been like? Three weeks and I haven't found you anywhere. Seriously. Yes, I'm hiding out. Oh, man. This I'm is... like, David, we got to record. And you're just like, leave me alone. Yeah, that's exactly how all that went my, down. My dungeon doing my thing with the thing. Yeah. That's that's how that worked, right? Yeah. It's that's your ex- fault? That's exactly how That's it what we're going with. Oh, well. It's totally your fault. It's 100%. <laughs> I can take the blame because... No, no fault of mine. I got, I, got, I got a big pair of shoulders to carry that. <laughs> big, broad yes, shoulders. Right. What a manly man you are. Yes, I am. So, hi, David. I missed yes. you. I got my, me and my four-inch beard. What are you working on right there? <laughs> you know, I did shave it for a wedding and grow it. Oh. Yeah. So, excuse me, oh. but I'm working over here. Okay. It'll be back. It'll be back. As if I'm you gonna really s- needed to I am going to sneak into your room tonight. <laughs> I know where you sleep, and I'm going to clip that sucker. I'm going to uh. shave you into a mustache, and it's going to be like you're a 80-year-old creeper. Oh, man. Melanie is like, she will not leave me alone about it. Oh, really? She hates it. That bad? Oh, she hates it. She's like... Dude, you look so good with that beard. Oh, thank you. I mean, I'm attracted to you, and I'm not normally attracted to men. (laughs) Yes. That's what I want to hear. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my gosh. So, yeah, she hates it. That's sad. And she's like, uh, like, even tonight, it was like my in-laws were over, and my mother-in-law's like, how long are you going to grow that beard? (laughs) And Melanie's like, that's what I want to (laughs) know. Oh, come on. Y'all going to gang up on me now? Sounds like a nightmare. Oh, man. So... (laughs) But no, it's not going anywhere. Yeah. Keep going, man. <laughs> Moses. Moses. <laughs> That's great. Oh, man. Yeah, me so, too. Yeah, you got, like, for Christmas, you got a whole beard grooming oh, yeah, kit. My sister-in-law got me a beard grooming kit with essential oil. And yeah, you're all manscaped. It's gorgeous. <sighs> feels so wonderful. So are you using the beard oil? Every morning, I put some oil in there. It's great, isn't it? Yeah. It, it makes it just so much... Because it feels like hay, yeah, naturally, right? Like, it, but if you put like some sort of conditioner on it, it's a beautiful mane. Yeah, so we should change the show. <laughs> <laughs> we do yeah. need to take a, a, this is an updated photo of ourselves. Beards one hundred and one. Yes, how to maintain yes. and groom your manly beard to be a to be an appropriate theologian. One must you, have a beard. You really need a beard. A man is not a man unless yes. he has a beard. And a cigar. That's right. Yeah. At least a cigar. <laughs> At least. Yeah, I went I went to a pipe for a while. Those were my Armenian days. 
and then I stepped back into a cigar. I fell into a deep pit of C.S. Lewis and got back yes. into Charles Haddon Spurgeon quickly. Wow. Anyways. <laughs> okay. Well, this is going off the rails. It's not, uh, I mean, we haven't hey, talked for three weeks. We got plenty of time. Well, that's true. This is going to be a three-hour episode. Yes. We got to catch you up. But yes. Bam, it's going to be lit, right? <laughs> <laughs> oh man, so there are many reasons why we haven't been recording Yes Many reasons Yeah And they're all happening at one time Pick one <laughs> So, well first off, let's talk about the sad stuff Yeah, we. Uh, there was a um, one of my youth kids whose dad passed away suddenly <clears throat> in a sh- shocking way And so our community's been dealing with that And we had the funeral on Monday And so it's been a... It's been a hectic couple of weeks because of that, mm-hmm. um, just we're, dealing with that. You know, we're in a small town, North Texas. Mm-hmm. Um, when something like this happens, and this guy's a pillar of the community. I mean, he was oh, yeah. a city council member, and just uh, ever, all day, like, just a great guy. Right. Like, in everybody's... He's helping everybody. Yeah. He's just one of those guys that everybody knows. Everybody knew him and everybody loved him. And I mean, he was just, he was always helping out somebody. Tragic uh, accident. Yeah, it was just a horrible thing. And so 45 years old, you Mm -hmm. know, can you imagine that? Yes. Leaves behind a wife and two kids. And and so, yeah, that was a tough thing and uh, pretty, pretty, pretty uh, hectic time there for me and for the rest of the community and you. So. Well, that, I there, mean, that was one reason. <laughs> yeah, and that and that was a big thing because yeah. I mean that takes an emotional toll on us. And sure. uh, Jerry, you were just like everywhere. Yeah, caring for the family. <laughs> you uh, eulogized the, at the at the funeral. It was, mm-hmm. and so we just been really busy with that yeah. type of thing. And uh, sometimes ministry, you know, <clears throat> uh, pastoral ministry gets in the way of. The stuff that we want to do for, you know, yeah. doing odds. It's not that we don't love you guys. <laughs> it's just that we get so <laughs> caught up in other things, and that's the way it works. But, you know, so. yeah, we would be hypocrites if we weren't living the life we're preaching. That's right. right? Amen to that. So, <laughs> we, as much as we want to talk to you guys. Speaking of which, since St. Francis, have you sold everything? <laughs> I've tried. I know. Your it's wife like, keeps pulling I me bring back something the out of the house, and it ends up back in. I'm like, ah! I was gonna give that away. <laughs> so close, like oh, so close. No, so let's see what else happened. We did the was the men's conference before or after the last recording? That's a good question. <laughs> um, I think it was after. Okay, yeah. So yeah, we went to a men's conference, right. which was amazing. Yeah. In fact, a lot of what we're going to talk about today is actually inspired by, by what we picked up at the men's conference. Sure. Um. In case you haven't noticed, we're kind of men's men. Yes. We are. You know, I mean, this is the way we roll. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> this was a men's men. This is a man's men. Man. This is a man's menace. A man's man. Um, uh, how do you say that? <laughs> a man's man's Yes, this is a man's man's conference, man. <laughs> Where we hugged on each other and sang like little fairy girls. Oh, yeah. But anyway. <laughs> Probably one of the manliest men I've ever seen in my life yeah. presented at this conference. Erwin McManus. Yeah. He's got man in his last name. McManus. McManus. Uh, the dude, what is he, 60? Yeah, he's got to be close to that. Looks like he's 40 or yeah. acts like he's 40. Yeah. I mean, just beefy guy. I mean, he's just, 
just delivered this stand-up, um, inspirational uh, talk about not giving up. Right. And just like, you know, putting out everything. His The subtitle to his book, he's got a book out called The Last Arrow, which is amazing. You guys need to read this if you haven't, yeah. if you haven't heard of it. Anyway, the subtitle of the book is Leave Nothing for the Next Life. Mm. And I just love that concept. It's like you, you've got one opportunity here right. and make the best of it. And so we as Christians are living our lives for Christ. It should be full on, like everything. Leaving nothing behind. Leave right. nothing for the next life. Amen. And uh, so, yeah, it was a great conference. And so that was, you know, part of the reason why we've been <laughs> right. distracted. So, <clears throat> but we're know. happy to be back into it. We, we yes. missed sitting in front of the mic and talking with each other. Yeah, so. and uh, I want to thank you guys that have written in, that have um, have upped the, your patronage. Yes, thank you thank so you much. Thank you guys, man. You guys are just wonderful. Um, and then those who are listening in, our last our last uh, podcast hit well over what we normally hit. Yeah, it's doubled our normal yeah. uh, podcast. It's probably because you spoke most of the time. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> so we'll, we'll tell with this one, right? <laughs> yeah, Jeremiah says, it's okay, great. I'll show up and just say, uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. Yeah, <laughs> sure. Amen. That's right. Amen. That's right. Pre- Preach it. The reality is. The, re- the reality. <laughs> is that what it is? I don't know how what many was your times I've said that was it. That was your catchphrase. Yeah, oh yeah, the reality is, and I still caught myself saying that. What was it? The I think thing, I did. I'm like the thing is. The thing is. The thing is this. <laughs> so in case cute. you don't know what the thing is, tune into the to the Theonauts, and we'll tell you about the reality mm-hmm. and the thing. Yeah. All right, we ready for this? Oh, let's do it. All right. So we're going to talk about being on fire. Yes. We're going to light you up, <laughs> Woo-hoo! baby. I brought some matches yes. and some kerosene, <laughs> just in case you want to light this place on fire. Yeah, you know, in my day, like playing football, that was the, the theme song for like our warm-up was Pyromania by Def Leppard. <laughs> well, yes. David has dated himself to the 1980s. I have no problem with that. Ours was Metallica, <laughs> by the way. Oh, come on. Metallica started in the 80s, Yes, dude. but they got perfected in the oh, 90s. Oh, whatever. That black album, that's the best thing they've done. Uh, okay, whatever. Enough about 80s metal. Yeah, let's talk um, about what we're supposed to talk about. Yeah, let's talk about being on fire a little bit. Okay. So, okay, we've kind of been discussing... First off, before we get started on this, sure. we want to throw this out to you guys. Give us... Some good suggestions. We have a list of things that we want to talk about, but we've kind of we've kind of exhausted most of our list. And there's a lot of things we want to, you know, to to we want to be engaging with you. Right. Definitely. So, and we want to put out stuff <laughs> that y'all want to hear about. And so yeah, after a hundred and what is it, seventy some odd Fifty. Oh, say one hundred and fifty-eight. This is one fifty-eight. After one hundred and fifty-eight episodes of doing this, which is like three years, a good solid three years of our life at least, isn't yeah. that right? <laughs> uh, we kind of can run up against a wall, and so definitely we really need some new material. So if you have any idea, it's I, not I don't like know, there's not new material. Out seriously, there. the Bible is uh, a well Infinite. that never dr- runs dry, and so 
is there is there any theological discussion debate topic you want to handle? We, the thing uh, that we I never thought it. would happen was this. Hey, let's talk about X, Y, and Z, right? Yeah, we haven't done an episode on that. And then I start looking through the catalog, and I'm like, Oh, oh here it we is. We did do an episode, right? <laughs> like the name of the episode was exactly what I was saying. Right, I, I was what like, that was. it was homiletics. Yeah, homiletics. It was like we haven't <laughs> talked about homiletics. Oh, yes, we did. <laughs> it wasn't even that long ago. No. <laughs> so uh, we okay. So we want to like we want to keep it very theological, but at the same time, we want to keep it passionate. Sure. I mean, there's so many things that we're about. Sure. On the show, but one thing that we're for sure about is keeping it deep and real and down to earth. And so this episode is really this is this comes from a like we. Like I said, we were kind of inspired by Erwin McManus, but at the same time, I built a sermon around this, and so we've kind of gotten in the groove of using a lot of our sermons on the show. Right. But um, but at the same time, I think it's a good Theo not thing, like because it kind of represents a lot of what we stand for. Sure. Which is deep sure. involvement. Like this, that Christianity is not a passive thing. Oh, no. And... You need to be engaged in it. You need to be in 100%, 110%. Like, you need to be focused on this stuff. Like, it's not just a Sunday morning thing. And so... It demands uh, your soul, your life, your all, right? And Yes, I mean... And, of course, I know we're preaching to the choir. If you're listening to a show called The Theo Knots... <laughs> there's a good chance There's that a good chance that it, yeah. you're not just a Sunday morning pew sitter. Right. And which we applaud you. Thank you. <laughs> And so this episode is kind of uh, going to be one of these um, just to fire you up episode. We want to talk about what it means to be on fire for Jesus. Sure. And that, yes, theology is important, but at the same time, um, regardless of the things that we can fight about in theology, the most important thing is Jesus and our thrilling love for him should be driving everything that we do. Amen. So I want to talk about what it means to be called and to respond to that call in such a drastic way that it revolutionizes your life. Mm. And I don't care if you've been a Christian for 30 years, right? It can still be revolutionary. Like you can still reach that point in your life where all of a sudden everything flips upside down. And it's like, you know what? I've known Jesus for my whole life. Why have I been missing this? I mean, I went through a moment like that. And and I think that it is actually probably it probably happens more in your maturity than it does in your youth. Because you're on fire for a lot of things when you're young. Right. But whenever you start thinking about more immort your mortality, you start thinking about how, you know, I'm not uh, I'm half done, <laughs> you know, or whatever. You start thinking these things start becoming a lot more real to you in a different way. Sure. And so, um, so that's what we want to kind of do is kind of to spur you on to think about how is my past affecting what I'm doing now, <clears throat> and how can I just abandon everything and be what I need to be for Him. So I want to start with you have your scriptures up? I do. <clears throat> I want to start with 1 Kings 19. 
This is, uh, by the way, the call of Elisha by Elijah. And so the, the two prophets with, with similar names. Sure. <laughs> and, um, <clears throat> and it's really kind of cool to, to, to think about um, Elijah and Elisha. El- Elijah was a man of God. Everybody respected him. Everybody knew who he was. He was the most wanted man at the time. He was, he was the prophet to the northern kingdom, which was King Ahab. Right and Queen Jezebel. Right, <clears throat> come the scourge of the of the nation of Israel. Right, the worst of the worst. Yes, absolutely. this was like he talk about having a hard job description. Elijah had a horrible task set before him to try and minister to these crazy right. monarchs, and it never worked out well. Like there's at one, there's one point where everybody knows the story of Elijah and the prophets of Baal the prophets of Baal the whole thing that happens there sure big victory right yeah god you know sends down fire and it just you know it takes out the the offering <laughs> and all the water around the offering and all yeah, that and Elijah's know. enjoying it sure He's and then like, all those people you know all the prophets died and, yeah where's where's your god Where's Baal? Right. Oh, maybe he's reusing the bathroom. Yeah, he doesn't hear he's you. Sitting on the toilet. They're all cutting themselves and screaming sure. and hollering. Yeah. Nothing's happening. It's a great story. So, <laughs> but anyway, all this works out in Elijah's favor. However, he ends up running from this scene um, and being a wanted man by Queen Jezebel. She wants him dead. Right. Because of this. And Elijah's like, this is not what I expected. <laughs> I, I expected. Turnaround. I expected people to see the power of God. This fire came from heaven for crying out loud. And repent <clears throat> and you know and and maybe start following God for once. Mm. They've saw that the prophet that Baal is is nothing and that God is everything. Yeah. Why in the world didn't the entire northern kingdom become faithful followers of God again? What happened there? Yeah. You because we're idiots. <laughs> and so and true. so it, even if you are thinking, you know, I wish God would just show me something real. I wish he would just touch me and give me some major miracle in my life. Wake up call. That won't happen. If that happens, it's not going to make that much of a difference for you. Right. Like this is, this has historical proof. Sure. And Elijah got mad about it, upset about it, depressed about it. He goes off into the wilderness and ends up in a, at the Holy mountain. He ends up at Horeb, Mount Sinai mm-hmm. in a cave like basically hiding out. And God's like, what are you doing here? He asked him that twice. It's like, what are you doing here? Right. And his response was basically, woe is me. I've done everything you asked me to do. No one's listening. <laughs> Life sucks. Life sucks. <laughs> God gives him this, this, uh, this metaphoric reply. Like he sends a fire. He sends an earthquake. He sends a great wind, but it says the Lord wasn't in any of those things. And then that sm- still small voice came, mm-hmm. and that's where God was. And the point of that is is that God was saying, "Look, you're looking for me in big things. You're, lo- you're like you want to see me in a fire, in a earthquake, in a you know a great wind. You you want to see something that is earth shattering." When really, I'm about what happens in your heart. Like, I'm the still, small voice that's speaking in your ear, that's whispering to you. Right. And 
um, Elijah still doesn't quite get this until God finally says, look, there's over 7,000 people in Israel that still want me. They still love me. And you're hiding in a cave. You're not doing me any good here. Go find these people. Right. The very next verse is what we're about to read here. Sure. Which is verse 19 to 21. Right. <clears throat> so he departed from there and found Elisha, the son of Shaphat, who was plowing with 12 yoke of oxen in front of him, and he was with the 12th. Elijah passed by him and cast his cloak upon him. And he left the oxen and ran after Elijah and said, Let me kiss my father and my mother, and then I will follow you. And he said to him, Go back again, for what I what I what have I done to you? <laughs> so here is this call. Yeah. Right? <clears throat> and everybody knew who Elijah was. And this was an unspoken thing. Right. Like Elijah puts his cloak on him, which is basically saying, You're gonna be the next me. Yeah. <laughs> and Elijah's response was hey, let me go tell my family goodbye. Uh, and I believe the, the word there in the Hebrew is a kiss. Let me go kiss them goodbye. Right. Which which I believe is is a um, manners and customs type of thing. What it's meaning is um, let me go bid them farewell. Like I'm never going to see them again. Yeah. Okay, so, so this is not like... Kiss them uh, goodbye. This is not an excuse. This is him basically saying, I'm all about this. Right. Let me go tell them goodbye. Yeah. But I love what Elijah... His response is, <laughs> "You can take it so many different ways. It's so weird." Yeah, I think. Yeah, you know, and we'll get to a point where Jesus kind of deals with the same. What have I thing. done to you? <laughs> <laughs> Great. <laughs> I, I, there's all kinds of, of understandings of why Elijah oh, yeah. responds the way he Little does. Little nuances. I like to think it's this. I, I think what he's saying is, I have no power. I'm nobody. Like. I've done nothing to you. If you feel you you must follow me, like you do whatever you want, like God is the one who's calling you. Right. I'm just here. So if if you want to follow me, follow me. If you don't want to follow me, don't follow me. I really don't care. <laughs> I've got 7,000 other people I can check. <laughs> so it's kind of like it's kind of like he's he's still like Elijah is just kind of going through the motions, but Elisha is meaning this in a way of no, I'm kissing my past goodbye, mm-hmm. and I'm going to come with you. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, uh, read read on to to what he does there. Oh, I get okay. Anyways, <laughs> I was just thinking of a joke that's hilarious. All right, uh, <clears throat> and he left the oxen. Oh, so wait, hold on. 21. And he returned from following him and took the yoke of oxen and sacrificed them and boiled their flesh with the yokes of the oxen and he gave it to the people and they ate. Then he arose and went after Elijah and assisted him. So the thing that I love about this is that think about how you are when you make a big decision. Like, I'm going to go do this, or I'm going to go do that. I'm going to go move to New York. I'm going to move to California. I'm Whatever. Thousands of miles away from wherever it is that you're at. Yeah. And, but there's always that safety net, right? Oh, yeah. Like, I can always come back home if this doesn't work out. Elisha cuts his, his safety net out of the picture. Like, he's a farmer. 
Here he is with 24, like it says 12 pairs. Yeah. 12 yokes of oxen. That's a lot of oxen. <clears throat> That's a lot of cattle. Right. To pull a plow. Right. Which tells me this is not a small-time farmer. No. He's got a major operation. That it, This is his livelihood. This is his family's livelihood. He's taking care of his elderly parents, apparently. And he says, basically, I'm going to go kiss them goodbye, their history. I'm going to kill my source of income. Yeah, why did... Okay, so the question is, why? Why would he kill all those oxen... <laughs> Be, you know, boil them. Boil them using the oh, the the oxen's uh, yes, uh, the yoke. The yoke. Yes, he breaks the yokes. Break the yokes. Boils them and feeds them. Feeds them to the people. Why? Yeah. What's his reasoning? And I, and I think that what this is, I, and this is the whole point of this of this study to me. The point is, it's a sacrifice, hmm. and it's and it is taking his past. And burning it. I everything I've known, everything I was, I am putting into the flames. I'm gonna set it aflame, yeah. And I'm doing it to God. It says he sacrificed them. Right. So so he takes what he has, he gives it all to God. <laughs> he has no fallback at this point. This is a one-way ticket. This is a, a one-way street. And by the way. He's following a guy that's that's not like he's not well known. People know who Elijah is. Mm-hmm. He just had the encounter with the prophets of Baal. He's an outlaw. Yes, he's following an outlaw <laughs> in the Northern Kingdom, right? Right. He's literally following somebody that you know. If he gets caught with, he can get his head chopped off the next mm. day. And oh, this is so this am- is crazy! It's thing. so amazing. It, the whole thing is he literally sets his past on fire and yeah. his heart on fire to go follow. This man of God. Yeah. And I just love that. Like, this is such a picture of what your life should be. Mm. And I don't mean, you know, set your house on fire and walk away from it. <laughs> so <laughs> don't, please. Yeah, don't. Please. Oh, the Theonauts told me I could burn my house. No, stop that. <laughs> your insurance company is not coming to me and asking me any questions. So, uh, but, but metaphorically, this is something you should be doing in your life. This is something that when you have come to find your calling, your following, the past gets in the way. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what, here in America, we don't have a lot to sacrifice. Like, we have a lot to sacrifice, but we don't. And, and there's just not a lot of sacrifice that happens when we come to Christ. I mean, usually it's just like, oh, okay, youth rally, yes i'll raise my hand and say my prayer and then we come to church the next sunday and that's our level of sacrifice and i'm not saying that you weren't saved when that happened i'm not uh, don't get me wrong what i'm saying is our hearts need to get to a point where my life has changed so drastically that i am walking away from what i was and what I've owned, and none of it matters anymore. Right. Not my family, not my job, not like those things may still be there in our lives, but that's not what matters anymore. Amen. And so uh, that's what Elisha is doing. And of course, this happens over and over and over in scripture. You never really see an example of 
a person being called to God and then it being, oh, okay, I'll go to a synagogue on Sunday. <laughs> no, it's almost all of them have to leave their home. They have to leave what they're doing. They have to drop everything. Like, okay, so you got Elisha. We just talked about him. Moses. What did Moses do? Okay, Moses was in retirement. Mm-hmm. Sorry. Like the <laughs> like the um, the the National Retirement Agency has already contacted this guy. Okay. Yeah, they're already like, hey, we got some benefits for you. I mean, he's he's eighty something years old, right? Right. And here he is tending sheep, probably irritated that he has to do that. And God says, "Now's your time. Mm-hmm. I need you to go back to Egypt and bring my people out of slavery." There's no other options. Like when God tells you from a burning bush. <laughs> I need you to drop the sheep. I don't care if you're in retirement. I've got a, a job for you. Now, yeah. Moses fought that. Like, Oh, he did. You know, I uh, <clears throat> I was just teaching this to my second and third graders this morning mm-hmm. about how, how many times Moses said to God, <laughs> but, but God, <laughs> but God. Yeah, yeah. But what my but and then finally he's like, but I I can't. Yeah. But please don't make me do this. Right? Yeah. And to the point where God, the Bible says God's anger was kindled Mm -hmm. against him. And Moses is lucky to be alive. Right? So I love that God chose the Hebrews. (laughs) They have chutzpah, right? I mean (laughs) how many people would look God in the face and go but, but no. <laughs> or like, you know, uh, Abraham, I know you want to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. <laughs> I know. I know. But what if? <laughs> yes. Just what? Listen on, to me. No. What if I could find 50 yeah. people? Okay. Well, okay. Okay, God. What if? <laughs> let's just say I could find 40 people. <laughs> so it, it's like... That is so great. Like, yeah. I wouldn't do that. Nuh-uh. That's not in my <laughs> character. I'm like, oh, okay. Burn, baby. <laughs> no. Oh, so, man. but anyway, getting off topic a little bit. All these guys, okay, Moses, Abraham. Okay, Abraham was in Ur. God <laughs> says, I need you to be the father of a nation. Therefore, I need you hundreds of miles away. In now, a land you've never seen. Doesn't make any sense to him. Yeah. But there's a calling. I need you to go. Pick up. Don't bring anybody with you, which, by the way, he kind of messed that up. Right. Brought Lot and his family with him. But, Stupid nephew. But anyway, um, he still had this calling to go. Uh, the apostles. Jesus is walking by the Sea of Galilee. Follow me. I will make you fishers of men. What? Okay, let's drop our nets. Now, that's your livelihood. Like, yeah. that's my life. I'm a fisher. Um, and But they have this opportunity to go follow Jesus. And, uh, well, you look at Zacchaeus. <clears throat> yeah, okay. Zacchaeus is a perfect example of this. Was it, you know, his livelihood is being a mm. tax collector. Mm. And corrupt tax collector. You had to be if right. you were going to make money. Exactly. So. And what does he say? You know, anybody I've wronged, I'm going to repay tenfold, right? You mm. know, I'm going to I'm going to make it right and mm. I'm going to I'm going to stop 
tax collecting, basically, to stop cheating these people. Yeah. It's, he gives up everything. Yeah. I mean, that's, that is what God does to you. That's what Jesus does to you is he reaches in, he, he touches your heart, and he lights that thing on fire. And I know that there are Christians out there that are like, I haven't quite felt that. Like, I felt Jesus' love. I felt, I mean, there's all this touchy-feely stuff around Jesus, and I'm not saying that he's not loving and all that. I mean, all that's there. But at the same time, there's also, there's a fire there. There's like, there's a burning thing in there that he does to us. And if you haven't discovered that, you really need to be talking to God about it. Like, what do you want me to do? Because God will answer that. And I will warn you, if you implore him for that, it will change your life. Like it, it will, that's what changed my life. A drastic prayer that I, if I had known the next day how God was going to answer that prayer, I probably wouldn't have done it. Mm. Because it changed my life in such a huge way. And all these guys that we read about in the scriptures, it's always that way. There's always this, this huge call. And, uh, and it, is, it is about setting our, our lives on fire. So what does that mean? Well, we also, we are shackled by what we know, what we've been through. All, there are chains that, that we are in that involve our past, of who we are, um, our livelihoods in some cases. I know Christians who were lawyers until they became Christians. I'm not saying that it's simple to be a lawyer, don't get me wrong, but I know guys that felt they had to lie for a living in order to do their job and felt so convicted by Jesus they they spent thousands of dollars to get where they are to make tons of money in their current position walk away from that because god because jesus stepped in and convicted them in a certain way yeah and so um there are things that that shackle us here um that there's a couple of ways that we that we get rid of our past. Sometimes we don't get rid of it entirely. Sometimes we're even called to live in our past, but be a change in our past. We talked recently about Martin Luther. Perfect example of this. Mm. He didn't leave his past. He stayed in his past, but was a catalyst of change. Right. In it. I mean, Martin Luther could have been like, you know what? Screw all this. I'm going to go somewhere else and preach the gospel to the poor. I mean, he could have done that. Right. But instead, he saw the anguish and the pain of his brothers who were monks and who were in an oppressive and unscriptural environment. And he felt the calling to make a change there. So you can you can be on fire and leave your past but still be present in it. Sure. And, um, I mean, Martin Luther's a good example. William Tyndale's a good example, who translated the Bible into English for the first time. And, you know, I think in our, in our great men of the Bible, or great men of, of theology, we're going to it, it, talk about this guy at some point, oh, because yeah. I just love his story. He's one of these unsung 
heroes of Christianity, of, his, of Christian history, because the Bible that you hold in your hand, you probably wouldn't have. If not for Tyndale. If it wasn't for him. He was yeah. the first one to translate the Bible yeah. into English and print it. But you look at all the <clears throat> you look at all the great the really great theologians. I mean you can go Bonhoeffer, you can look at uh you can look at Saint Frank, mm-hmm. who we looked at yeah. two weeks ago. And you see a point where they make this radical decision that changes their their entire path, their entire life, and and ends up extremely difficult, extremely mm. hard, but extremely fulfilling. Oh yes, you know. And <clears throat> you think about Bonhoeffer, who uh, ended up hanging from piano wire to his death. Right, right, right. <laughs> I mean, that's it's insane. But he was willing to sacrifice everything for the cause of Christ. Mm-hmm. And so it's it's that kind of radical thing we're talking about, where Elisha. Decides, uh, I'm, I'm no turning back. I'm going to follow. Right. Period. I'm gonna I'm gonna stop any <clears throat> any way of you know of being able to turn back. So that story about who was the the Roman? Is it the Roman Empire? They burn the bridge. They burn their ships. You know what I'm talking about? That doesn't sound familiar. <sighs> Who was a conqueror that whenever they got to a new land, the first thing he did was he turned around and burned <coughs> the ships. Really? So that yeah, so the so soldiers had no way of retreating. <laughs> right. They There's a, st- it's a one way trip, baby. They're stuck, right? Mm-hmm. And so they had to choose to march forward. And that's I think that's the same thing when we really surrender and decide to get real, real with Christ. You know, it becomes that. There's nothing like it, like. It it, man, it will carry you through that that fire, the fire in your heart that takes you to the point to where you are willing to sacrifice things of your past in your life to move forward. It's like it is so invigorating. Like yes, there is sacrifice, but but at the same time, there's no regret either. Like you don't miss that stuff. Right. Like you wanted it gone. Like it was a cleansing thing. Yeah. And. Uh, I mean, I just love it. If you look at the story of Elisha, it really is intriguing. Um, this man, <laughs> he's kind of greedy when it comes to God. Like, wh- like he asked, um, <laughs> like when he was given this opportunity to say, hey, what do you want out of all this? His response was, I want twice of what you got. Like, that's <laughs> what he told Elisha. Right. He's like, I want twice of the spirit of God that you have. <laughs> Really? Did he get it though? What, dude? If, if what's funny <laughs> is you read, count the miracles that you see Elijah perform, and then count the the miracles that Elisha performs. It's almost <laughs> exactly twice. That's amazing. It's so cool. Yeah. It's it. I, I love I love the story of Elisha. But anyway, a good another good example is Paul, the Apostle Paul. So the Apostle Paul comes to Jesus. And through this miraculous vision of Christ that he has on the road to Damascus, changes his walk 180 degrees. Right. And um, the thing that I love about Paul's missionary journeys, like if you just go through them and read what he's doing in the book of Acts, Paul was a 
he was a Hebrew of Hebrews. And this guy was a stand-up Pharisee. Like, I mean, he he learned under the under the tutelage of one of the best guys on the Sanhedrin. And this, this guy has this radical change in his life. And he gets so PO'd at his own people because they won't accept. And so he turns to the to the Gentiles. <laughs> but what's cool is if you read, it talks about him going into a city, and the first thing he does every time, where does he go? Synagogue. That's right. First place he goes <laughs> is the synagogue of yeah. every city he goes into. Or even if they don't have a synagogue, he's going to find a place where the Jewish believers are gathering. Right. So why? What's his deal? He knows this is going to get him into trouble. <laughs> because that's what happens. Every time he goes to the synagogue, he gets them all stirred up. He gets and, stoned. And then he tells them, he tells them, up gets- yours, I'm going to the Gentiles. And the gent- and, and while, I mean, he's, while he's so out funny. there preaching to the Gentiles, the, the Jews come after him. Right. And yes, he does get stoned on his <laughs> was that the second missionary journey, yeah, right? Or get no. thrown in prison or beaten or first missionary journey. Yeah. Very first missionary journey. He gets stoned and, and and has to retreat to Derbe. Right. And and it's like if you hadn't have gone to the synagogue, this would not be an issue. Like right. you could teach this stuff to the Gentiles. But here's here's what he was doing. He was setting his past on fire mm. by going to the synagogues mm. because he knew there are, there are souls of Tarsus in this synagogue. Right. And I can't leave them there. Yeah. I must tell them about Jesus. Mm. Even if they're going to chase me down through the city, as I talk to the Gentiles, <laughs> I've got to talk to those guys. Yeah. So setting your past on fire doesn't mean you run away from your past. Mm-mm. Not necess- not all the time. Sometimes it's about running into your past to make a difference. Hmm. And, I mean, I can speak this from from experience as well. When I felt converted and changed in my heart, I wanted to tell the other people that I was with that weren't. That I mean, I spent 10 years in the system that hated what I was teaching. Hmm. But the But the point was... I'm on fire for this and you've got to get it. Like you have got to find this. And thanks be to God, many people responded sure for that. And so sometimes leaving your past isn't necessarily walking away from it as much as it is being an impact on it. Mm. Um, but sometimes it does mean walking completely away. Um, sometimes you have to do that. Um, a good example is Lot. And his family. Uh, so in Second Peter two, it talks about uh, Peter's talking about Sodom and Gomorrah, and he talks about Lot. And I love how the King James says this. It says that that city vexed righteous Lot's soul. What does that mean? Like, I I tend to read it like he was infected mm. by it. Um, if we, although Lot was a man of God and Lot knew right from wrong, he chose. He was in the midst of that Sodom sin. and Gomorrah, and to the point where he was. We know that because he was, 
he was the leader of the city, right? He he sat at the gate, which mm-hmm. means that's that's Old Testament Bible speak for he was a leader city council. Of the, yeah, he was on the city council. He was a leader of the city. Yeah, and so when you're the leader of the city that God pinpoints out of every other city on earth to destroy with hellfire and brimstone mm. because of their sin. There's probably something that you're not doing right. Yeah. Right. Read this. It's like Genesis 18, 19, 20. Go, go through that with a fine tooth comb. Listen to what it says. Mm. It's really odd to hear Lot's responses to the angels and how he deals with all this stuff. Right. It's very weird because we know that Lot is, quote, unquote, a righteous person because, for one, Abraham was <laughs> Abraham wanted his nephew <laughs> right. um, to be saved. But at the same time, Peter refers to Lot as a righteous person. But that doesn't necessarily mean he was unaffected Mm-mm. by all this. And... So, like, first off, he warns the angels. The mm-hmm. angels come to the city, and he's sitting at the gate like any good elder of the city would be. And he tells the angels, don't come in here. This is not a good place. You come into this place, you're going to get accosted. Right. And they're like, no, take us to your home. <laughs> Why is he warning them? Right. Because he knows a little something about his city. Like, exactly. he knows how this is going to go down. The people of the city, obviously, we have the the very familiar story. The people of the city chase them down and are pounding on Lot's door. Hey, let us have these angels, man. They're hot. Right. You know, we could have a lot of fun with these guys. <laughs> David's paraphrase. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Yeah. They're hot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey. So anyway... <laughs> What is Lot's response to that, though? Take my virgin daughters. Yes. Where <laughs> does a Christian, or a Christian, where's a godly man get that thought? Like, where does that thought, how does that pop in your mind? I don't know. It pops in your mind because that's the life you know. Mm. I, and you can see it in the history that happens afterward. Like, his daughters are like, hey, we're never going to get a husband. We're never going to have any kids. Hey, let's get dad. Let's sleep with dad. And and get him drunk. And what? how does that thought enter their heads? Ugh. It enters their heads because of their environment they grew up in. So anyway, what happens to Lot? He's reluctantly drawn from this place. The right. angels have to grab him by the wrist and, and his family. Drag him out. And drag him out. And this whole thing about don't look back. We think of that as like uh, the command was don't turn your head. And his wife kind of like glanced back and turned it. No, that's not what happened. your eyes. Yeah, exactly. That cost you all kinds of stuff. No, but that wasn't what happened. She was longing to go back into mm. the city. That that was the thing. Yeah. She wanted she wanted to be in Sodom and Gomorrah, even though it was being destroyed. Yeah. She was mourning for it to the point where. Yeah. If that's where your heart is. Salt. Then you're a pillar of salt. Exactly. I don't need you out here. And so Lot, sometimes we don't want to set our past on fire. Mm. Sometimes God sets our past on fire for us. For us. That's good stuff. And that sucks. You don't think it sucked for Lot? Lost his wife, fathers, his own grandchildren. (laughs) 
Ugh. I mean, this this story does not have a they lived happily ever after ending. Um, and why? Because Lot was unwilling to set his past on fire. He was unwilling to take his family and leave when he was given that calling. Mm-hmm. And um, and so sometimes we have to walk away from a past that is dragging us down, mm-hmm. or detrimental to us. We have to do like Elisha did. We have to burn it mm-hmm. and just walk away from it. So I want to talk a little bit about how we as Christians, even though we're converted, even though we're saved, we're not doubting any of that stuff, but we're carrying along a bunch of baggage with us. And that baggage keeps you from being the on-fire seraphim Christian that you need to be. And um, and so, you know, we can travel lighter than we think we can travel. It's really amazing. Like um, one time I went on a business trip, went to Minneapolis, St. Paul, and um, had a very important, quote-unquote, air quotes here, uh, meeting... <laughs> <laughs> that I had to attend to. I'm a very important guy. Because I am a very important guy. You know, everyone's looking for me to That's show right. up at this thing. So, uh, and I had my nice outfit, mm-hmm. <clears throat> which, by the way, left Dallas and never arrived in Minneapolis. Ugh. So, what do you do? Go out and buy new clothes? <laughs> yeah. Okay. I don't know if you know this, but you don't walk the streets of Minneapolis. Like no, it's freezing. <laughs> well, yeah, but there's skywalks. <laughs> oh, okay. Everywhere. Really? But you can walk in the entire city of Minneapolis, St. Paul, and never go outside. It's the weirdest thing ever. So, <laughs> so I end up, there's a Target two blocks down. Well, I didn't realize this, but that's the corporate office of Target. <laughs> yeah, Target's a big deal there. Everybody has Target. There's it's hardly. not a department store. Right. I walk in and they're like, do you have your card? Like I'm an employee. <laughs> I'm like, uh, no, I just came to buy some clothes. <laughs> You're kidding me. And they're like, uh, sorry, we don't sell clothes here. This is the corporate office. Oh my uh, gosh. <laughs> so, but I guess what the point is the hotel took care of me. Sure. They gave me what I needed for toiletries and everything that I needed to, to get by. I, I did finally find a place where I could buy enough clothes because all I had was sweatpants or yeah. whatever to get to my meeting. Life went on. My baggage never showed up. I never saw it again. Okay, so long, farewell. It meant nothing. Wow. In the in the long haul of things, you can travel pretty light. Yeah. And you can get by with a lot less than you think you can get by with. And but in our lives, we don't act this way. Like, we want all our stuff. Like, d- please don't take my stuff. Like, you can take all kinds of, of things, but don't take my stuff. Mm. And sometimes that stuff is personal baggage, emotional baggage, um, even spiritual baggage mm. that we carry along with us. And sometimes we just have to drop that stuff. We have to lose it at the airport in order for us to move forward. Um Christian from the Pilgrim's Progress learned this, right? Yes. So Christian's wagging along this backpack full of crap he doesn't need, and it's not until he realizes, hey, I can put, the, I can take the pack off. It's not until he realizes that 
that he actually is begin he can begin his journey and, right. and really move forward. Um, but think about how the scriptures teach the, uh, this type of thing. The rich young ruler comes to Jesus. And what does Jesus tell this guy? Sell everything. Right. Now, was Jesus saying, to be a Christian, you must always sell everything you have? <laughs> no. He was talking to a guy who had a issue. Like, his, his issue was his baggage. Right. He couldn't drop his pack. This guy had so much care that he was carrying along with him, and Jesus knew it. And when he said, hey, sell everything you got, what did the guy say? Cost is too high. Exactly. I can't do that. How many times are we in the same boat? And it might not be riches. It might not be. It might be something else that we just can't let go of. But yet it holds us back and keeps us from being who Jesus wants us to be. And I think this is huge, especially for the Western church. Um, we have a lot of baggage. We have a lot of things that we carry along with us. Um, and that baggage can become in the form of distractions. We're very complacent here. We have all kinds of stuff that occupy our time. Sure. We have video games, movies, TV shows, um, movies, or I already said movies, books. I mean, there's all kinds Music, of things yeah. that, that we that we get so involved with that it occupies tons of our time. And that, mm. that can be a form of baggage. We're rich beyond our own belief. We don't even, oh, yeah. we don't even understand how rich we really are. Right. Um, we, we are just, we're carrying around so much stuff that really we could travel along without. And it's not until sometimes you have to walk into a third world country and realize, you know what? You don't need this stuff. Like, I could survive on one meal a day and live in a shack with no air conditioning. And yeah, it might suck for a while because I'm used to 70-degree weather all the time. But I could get by and I could acclimate and I could be in a different environment and survive it. Right. God calls us to an environment that's sometimes hard. Mm. And, uh, and, and, you know... Jesus actually did that. Like he would tell people, hey, I got no place to lay my head. People would say, hey, I'll follow you wherever. And his response was, really? Because I don't think that about you. Right. <laughs> I don't think you're quite there yet. I think you like your pillow too much. Right. And uh, so, I mean, there's all kinds of stuff. Grudges is a big thing. So we hold grudges against people. We, ha we hold all this past. Maybe you've been abused. Maybe you've been, um, maybe you've been mistreated by someone in authority, somebody that you trusted. Hmm. And I'm not belittling that at all. But at the same time, you're carrying around that baggage, not the person that offended you, not the person that... Uh, that accosted you or whatever it is that it, that it is. Maybe it's a sexual abuse or, or whatever. It's not okay that that person did that. It's not okay if someone betrayed you. But at the same time, you're the one carrying that weight, hmm. not them. And sometimes it, it takes you being willing to forgive and let all that go 
and say, you know what, Jesus, I want the best for that person. Mm-hmm. I don't care if they screwed me over. I don't care if they betrayed me. I don't care if, uh, if my life is totally screwed up because of what this person did to me. I want you to forgive that person. Mm-hmm. That's the Jesus in us coming out. Like That's not a natural thing to do, but when we can actually do that, it releases, it takes the backpack off our back and puts it squarely onto Jesus' shoulders, who is strong enough to bear it. Allows, yeah. It allows us the freedom to be who we're called to be in Christ and actually be radical. Hmm. Baggage is a very difficult thing, and it even might come in the form of debt. Yeah. You know, it, it could come in the form of your job. Some very difficult things that you, <clears throat> you might have to step out of. And, uh, you know, it's a, it's not a comfortable thing because we like our baggage so many times. It's our, it's oh. our, it's our, it's our blankie. Yes. <laughs> it's our safety net. It's our, it's our, um, and it even, it could even suck security. Yeah. Like it, we could have a job we hate, right? But it's the only security we know. Like we don't want to walk away from this because this is what keeps me alive. Exactly. Right? And it could be the hor- most horrible job in the world. But we get stuck. Mm-hmm. And we won't let those things go. Mm-hmm. And it's not just a job. It could be anything. It could be a relationship. It, you could be in the most abusive relationship possible, but you won't let it go. Uh-uh. You won't walk away from it. You won't be empowered by the power of the Holy Spirit and by Jesus to be someone who he's calling you to be because you've got this thing that's just wrapped around your throat and holding you down. Mm. And we as Christians need to figure out a way to let the Holy Spirit light us on fire enough that it burns that away. Right. Whatever rope is tied to you goes up in flames Right. because of it. Um, Jesus calls us to lay everything down. Like, continually, uh, if you would, look at Luke Mm. chapter 9. I want to look at, there's several places here where Jesus, um, Jesus knows your heart, and he knew the heart of the people that came to us, or came to him. And just like, you know, we mentioned the guy, we mentioned the whole thing about, um, about him turning away people who were saying they wanted to follow him, and we're going to read some of that. In Luke 9, verse 57 through 60. Hmm. This is an interesting passage. This is right after uh, the feeding of the 5,000, right? Mm-hmm. So 57 through 60. Mm-hmm. As they were going along the road, someone said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. Jesus said to him, Foxes have holes and birds have the air. Birds of the air have nests. But the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. To another, he said, follow me. But he said, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. And Jesus said to him, leave the dead to bury their own dead. As for you, go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Yet another said, I will follow you, Lord, but let me first say farewell to those in my Hmm. home. Jesus said to him, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. Wow. (laughs) So... Jesus is making some hard statements here, and it's like his calling is much more than come to church on Sunday. 
Like that doesn't, I don't read that there. Is that mm. what, I mean, that's not what I know. No. I mean, it, it, what he's saying is the path that I'm walking is hard and it's going to take some perseverance. And you're not always going to be comfortable. And so if you're accustomed to comfort, if that's what you want, if that's what is driving you, I'm sorry, but you're not going to enjoy me. Right. Like you're not going to want to be with me because I'm not a, a yes, I love you. And yes, I will, will comfort you when I can, but your life is going to be hard because of me. Hmm. And, uh Man, if you think about the one guy gives him the same excuse Elisha did, right? Let me go tell my family goodbye. Right. Jesus's response was, "No man putting his hand to the plow and looking back is fit to follow me." Right. And I think this is not necessarily apples to apples. And the reason why is because I think Jesus has an insight here that Elijah didn't, and that is. Elijah couldn't see Elisha's heart. Right. But Jesus knew this man's heart. When this man said, I want to go back and tell my mother and father goodbye, what he was really saying is, eh, <laughs> okay, but I have some things I got to take care of first. Well, and what's unique is Jesus invited that guy to follow him. He invited him to be one of the disciples. Right. Think about that for a second. Mm. That's the same words that he used to invite Peter, yes. James, and John. Follow me. Follow me. And this guy says, oh, I, I, I got to go and say goodbye to my parents first. Gotta do that. Mm. You know, they don't have the same response as Peter, James, and John, which are to mm-hmm. drop their nets and to yeah. follow him. By the way, James and John were fishing with Zebedee. Yes. Right? Yeah. It's not like they were like, hold on for a second. Hey, Zebedee. Peace out. You know, they, you know. <laughs> yeah, he's like, what? Guys, <laughs> where are you going? I, I, got a, I got a bunch of fish here. What are y'all, how am I going to get this in? Right. We got to go to market on Friday. <laughs> but um, it's crazy. And, and he's exactly right. Yeah. Um, Jesus's response is very, I mean, these people knew farming, and uh, I mean, I've never pushed a plow to save my life, but. It you makes ain't never been from Kansas in Buckaroo. That's well. So, have you been behind oxen? No, or a mule? No. Okay, but I've been in a <laughs> but I, but I have been, in, been a in a combine. combine. Okay, once or twice in my life. But the thing is, when you're driving, <laughs> when you're driving beast of burden, okay, and you look behind you, you can't drive the plow straight. Like you can't you. You're gonna your row is gonna be all over the place. Skew. Yeah. Right. And so that's what Jesus is saying. He was like, look, I've got work that is up there, like it's in front. And if you are looking backward, you're going to mess up. You're not going to be able to stay where I need you to be. And uh so so this is I want to look at also Matthew 10, because um Jesus is constantly giving us hard lessons. Well, yeah. Now, I'm surprised you didn't pull up uh, earlier in in Luke, earlier in that chapter. Whenever he he's basically like right after the feeding of the five thousand, and then he's like, "Hey, anybody that wants to follow me has to take up his cross and die." 
Yeah. Well, that's that's in Matthew too. Okay. That's, that's what we're. So Matthew, about. I'm sorry. Matthew ten. I jumped the gun. My bad. Matthew ten and what? Uh, thirty four and thirty thirty four through thirty nine. And the reason why I chose the Matthew reading is simply because of he brings in the family relationships. Oh yeah, that's too. true. So, and I think that that it has a little uh, a little oomph yeah. <laughs> because of that. Because sure. this is a hard this is a hard teaching. Right. Um. So Matthew ten thirty four through thirty nine. All right. Do not think that I have come to bring peace to the earth. I have not come to bring peace, but a sword. I have come to set man against his father and daughter against her mother and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. Well, I don't know if he really... I mean, that's a normal thing. (laughs) All right, anyways. And a person's enemies will be those of his own household. Whoever loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Whoever does not take up his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds his life will lose it. Whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. It's just hard teaching. <laughs> it's extremely hard. Nobody ever wants to hear that. No. Nobody wants to hear that. And if we do, we put really nice little, oh, it's just my cross to bear. You yeah. know what I mean? We Which put is little a nice. total misunderstanding of right. the scripture. Like, that makes it sound like, oh, okay, I've got a, this burden that Jesus has put on my back. It's my thorn and my flesh. Yeah. <laughs> um. <laughs> Okay, so first off, he 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 does this whole thing about um, that my mission isn't just peace. In fact, I haven't come to bring peace. Right. This is going to mess people up. Yeah. And it really did. Yeah. I mean, it drove. That's what took him to the cross. Yeah. Was this teaching, and he was saying it took me to the cross. And guess what? It will take you to a That's cross. Right. It might not be the same cross, and it won't be as as difficult and as hard as maybe what I'm I'm dealing with. Some it was, but um, but what he's saying is, you have to let go of your life. Mm. You have to let go of your past. Mm. That's why he goes to the father and mother thing. He's not saying it's wrong to love your father and mother. He's saying don't love them more. Than me. In other words, you have to be to a point where you can let them go if you have to for me. And again, speaking from experience, this is a really hard thing. When your family disagrees with you, when your family tells you that you're wrong and they won't have anything to do with you, or those types of things are tough. But whenever you realize that Jesus is greater, Jesus is more loving. Jesus is a better uh, friend, and God is a better father. And there are all these things that Jesus provides to us and that our love for him supersedes any relationship we have here on earth. It changes everything, and it makes you willing to do exactly what Jesus said, which was pick up your cross, which doesn't mean, hey, I'm going to give you a little bit of burdens here or there. What it means is you will die for me if you have to. The The cross is a symbol of the instrument of your death. Tormenting death. Yes. Jesus bore his cross hmm. up that hill. And he's asking us to do the same. Yeah. Pick up the instrument of your death and bear it. 
all the way to the end. That's a hard teaching. Yeah. Because none of us wants to suffer. None of us wants pain. But you know what? I can't think of a more honorable way to use my life, to expel my life, to lose my life, than to be in the service of Him. Amen. And that is what it means to have a heart that's on fire. You know, stop bickering about theology. Stop bickering about church. Stop trying to decide whether or not it's better to spend your church funds on a basketball court or a bowling alley. (laughs) Focus on souls and focus on what Jesus is calling us to do, which is to be so on fire for him that it draws us to do crazy, radical, insane things. Dance for him. Uh, sing for him, mm-hmm. be on fire for him, die for him. Yes. And so, you know, I want to I want to close with uh, a, a reading from your namesake. All right, Jeremiah, chapter twenty. Um, so Jeremiah <laughs> is a suffering prophet, the weeping prophet. He is the weeping prophet. He is a voice in the wilderness, right? I mean, he is yeah. he is the guy that no one wanted to see. Right. Like he's telling the kings of Israel, Babylon is your judgment. You need to deal with this. You don't need to fight it. This is God coming and reaping what you've sown. Hmm. And None of the kings wanted to hear that, right? No. And this hurt Jeremiah so much. I mean, he wrote another book called Lamentations right? because of this. Um, But I want to look at Jeremiah 20 because Jeremiah is going through a depression. Yeah. But at the same time, he is on fire. His resolve is set. And so let's look at, let's start at verse 7 of chapter 20 of Jeremiah. And I want to go through, um, I want to go through verse 9. Okay. Oh Lord, you have deceived me, and I was deceived. You are stronger than I, and you have prevailed. I have become a laughingstock all the day. Everyone mocks me. For wherever I speak, I cry out. I shout violence and destruction. For the word of the Lord has become for me a reproach and derision all day long. And if I say I will not mention him or speak any more in his name, there is in my heart, as it were, a burning fire shut up in my bones, and I am weary with withholding it in, and I cannot. The, <laughs> that last verse just makes me cry every time I read it. It's like he feels betrayed by God. Yeah. He does. The very first thing he starts out with that, and this is a poem, by the way, he's writing. Yes. And he's saying, you've lied to me. 
Almost. Yes. He feels betrayed. And and he's like, I'm not comfortable, God. You've not put me in a comfortable place. Yes. I'm a laughing stock. People mm. aren't listening to me. You've given me this charge that is not working. And what am I supposed to do? I've gone through all of this, but the bottom line is I can't stop talking about you. You are the only source of life. And if you told me to shut up, I still couldn't do it. Mm. And that's how he ends that verse was, my heart is so on fire for you that I can't stop this. And this is, to me, is such a great inspiration. If you can be in a place of lamentation the way Jeremiah was, if you can be in a place where your life totally sucks, if you can't get out of the rut, if you can't get out of the mess, know that God has a greater purpose in all of this, and he's lit your heart on fire so that you can carry that torch. You know, I love the fact that the angels that circled the throne are called seraphim, mm. like the seraphs. They, that means the burning ones in Hebrew. Yeah. That's what we're called to be, mm. burning ones. We've get, been given a torch. We're meant to carry that torch. And that doesn't mean that we be complacent pew sitters. Mm. It means we carry a fire that will burn the world in the name of Jesus. Amen. So as we kind of kickstart our uh, theonauts after a few weeks of, <laughs> of being off, and I know this isn't about a specific theology or anything, it's more about just who we are. Mm. This is why we're on the air, is because God has lit a fire in us to do this. Amen. And we want to encourage you as our listeners to, to carry that torch and carry it further. We want to, we want to keep this train running, right? And uh, so even though th- times have been hard, we've been through funerals that we didn't want to attend, that we mm. didn't want to officiate. We've been through pain. We've had to sit with family. We've had to do all kinds of things over the past few weeks that we just didn't want to be a part of. Mm. But you know what? The fire that is within us drives us to do these things and to be a light where there might not be without us. Amen. And so that's our encouragement. That's right. In this study. So do you have some news for us? <laughs> yeah, let's do it. All I don't right. know if I can follow that up, man. You <laughs> fired me up. I want to go sell everything. And- <laughs> Get rid of my baggage and get on fire. And now, the news. All right, so uh, Valentine's Day was a couple days ago, and so was Woo-hoo! so was Ash Wednesday. It's very interesting that Valentine's... No, that wasn't me. I don't know what that was. Oh, the battery's low. No! Go, keep going. Okay, so <laughs> it's very interesting that Ash Wednesday occurred on Valentine's Day, which is pretty cool. So, um, anyways, it's time once again for our... Dis- so you can eat chocolates and put ashes on your forehead. That's right. So It's something sweet and sour. Um, so uh, it's time once again to discuss what we're giving up for Lent uh, around here. And uh, there's an interesting new app. It's called the Twitter Lent Tracker. 
It's a guy who created it to to track what most people are giving up for Lent. Um, so, so far, this is typically what's happening. Uh, a fast from a favorite food or beverage is 57%. To attend church services, I don't know if that's giving up something or choosing really? to do something. Giving, like going to church. 57%. Praying more, <laughs> 39%. Giving to others, 38%. Fast from a bad habit, 35%. Fast from a favorite activity, 23%. And none of these is five percent. That's from Lifeway. Um, the uh, the big ones that are up this year. Let's see. Giving up social media, such as Twitter, has moved up pretty high. Some people. That's a good one. Yeah, a lot of people are giving up fast from that stuff. Yes, a lot of people are giving up alcohol. I don't know about that. A lot of people are giving up chocolate. And uh, let's see, what is that blue line there? Or no, it's the green line. Yeah, yeah. Chocolate and Twitter are the two biggest ones right now that people are giving up. <laughs> like, let's not give up Facebook. Ones that are give up Twitter. Ones that are down significantly are sex um, <laughs> and sex-related yeah. activities. Like, I ain't giving up that. I ain't giving up sex. Okay, anyways. <laughs> but they even I'll did. I'll give up Twitter. Okay, I'll give up Twitter. But the- they even did a word cloud of the things that that are. Giving up, I'll show you. Oh, nice. Awesome. Yeah, alcohol Uh, and chocolate. Alcohol and chocolate are big. Social networks, swearing soda, Twitter is big. Uh, Fast food, sweets, school for some reason is on there. I'm giving up the school for lit. (laughs) I just ain't going to go for two months. We're going to see how this goes. I'll probably flunk out, but I don't care. I'm doing it for Jesus. (laughs) (laughs) So good. That's awesome. Oh, my goodness. Wow. Uh, David Platt is going to be leaving the International Mission Board. Really? He was the president of the International Mission Board. Inter- he wasn't some, there very long, was he? No, he wasn't. But he's decided he needs to focus on his church uh, more and on the uh, denomination less, yeah. which I applaud him at because usually when people get a get a position at the IMB or anywhere on the... In the in the Southern Baptist mm, uh, yeah. network, they become next level gurus. But you know, David Platt is a different breed of person. He is, and that's why I love him so much. He introduced some very interesting things. One of the things he introduced was allowing missionaries who spoke in tums, tongues to be accepted <coughs> uh, in the IMB. What? Which is a very unnatural thing for them, or believed in healing. Yeah. Uh, to be allowed in the IMB, which is, I mean, it was. Uh, Surprising, but anyways, um, there's a new study that's showing that teenage drinking and sexual activity is down, but kids are lonelier. According, the average age of teenagers first try alcohol is their rising. Social media is like their social right everything in Australia. It's gone from fourteen four fourteen point four. This is alcohol fourteen and a half to sixteen point one since nineteen ninety eight. So. Uh, they're older when they try drugs and alcohol for the first time. Other drugs are becoming less popular too. In fact, every illicit drug except marijuana has become less popular among teenagers. Significantly, teenagers' opiate use is in steep decline. Uh, Fighting is down across Europe. For American teenagers, rates of sexual activity are down 13%. From 54% in 91 to 41% now, the birth rate among teenagers in America is down 67% over the same period. 
One explanation from sociologists is that family life has changed to see parents more involved in what their children are doing for day-to-day. Shocker. Really? Surprising. Or is it just they're so busy with video games that they can't bother? Maybe. <laughs> fathers take a more active role in childcare, and both mothers and fathers spend over twice the time with their kids now than they did in 1965. Data also shows kids are listening to their parents more. Others say kids are more focused on schoolwork, and still others say internet use means less social interaction as a whole, which means less room for sketchy things to go down like teenage partying, drinking, and drug use. The trade-off is that with teenagers spending less time with friends, they're more isolated and lonely than ever before. There's a growing gap between how kids feel about themselves and who their friends want them to be. Interesting. Yeah, it's a very interesting study that's come out. It's amazing what America is going to be in a few years. It's a totally different breed, isn't it? Mm-hmm. It's, <laughs> it's crazy. All right, Anglican Church, speaking of Lent again, the <laughs> Anglican Church is asking members to give up plastic products for Lent. <laughs> okay. It says, I think this might well be a first for us to have an entire Lent program on an environmental issue, but it is very much an integral part of the church, what the church is about. Yeah, that, because giving up plastic is a lot easier than giving up sex. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Throughout Britain and Europe in general, oh, I just miss my plastic bottle of water. Throughout Britain and Europe in general, there has been a trend towards being more environmentally conscious, and so... Yeah, the uh, the liberal uh, churches, the Anglican churches. Uh, mm-hmm. We're not asking much. Just give up plastic. Yeah. Just say paper. Paper. That's all I want. Uh, Don't so, litter. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's my Lent. On Tuesday, Nick Foles, by the way, the Eagles, Eagles won. That was another thing that happened. Super Bowl happened while we were going. Eagles yeah. won. Go Eagles. Uh, well, actually, go Dallas. What? I hate that, but... <laughs> Whatever. On well, Tuesday, like, you're not even here. I rooted for the Eagles because I did not want the Patriots to win. Dad gummit. Six times would have been too many. Uh, Brady only has five fingers. Let it be. I got to confess, I didn't care. Yeah, I know you didn't. I had no I dog in that hunt. I know you didn't. Whatsoever. Like, whatever. All right. On Tuesday, Nick Foles sat down with Ellen DeGeneres to talk about his experience returning to football and ultimately winning the Super Bowl with the Eagles as a backup quarterback. He said that a lot he said he had a lot to say about his path back to the game. Nick Foles' first run in the NFL was only marginally successful. He had one game in which he threw seven touchdowns, but his early career was marked by losing and failure. He was ready to quit, but he says his wife and his faith pushed him back towards the game. This is a quote from him. It was paralyzing to go back and play. I prayed about it, and I realized I was afraid. I would have been fine going a different way. I would have helped people any way, uh, which way possible, but I knew to make more growth, I had to go back in and face the fear and face my failures. Super Bowl MVP went on to say God didn't meet him in the way he expected. And there was no aha moment. When I took a step in that faith, I still thought this was going to be tough. When Foles returned, however, he remembers feeling a love for the game again, and it shook him. He realized the Lord was responding to his stepping back out. I always read the Bible in the morning. I remember crying because I loved the game of football again, but it was a totally different feeling because of what I had gone through. As athletes, we have failures and issues just like anyone else, but I think that's what makes us strong is overcoming those failures. So uh, he's a strong Christian, by the way, which is really cool. And when he retires, he's already committed to becoming a pastor 
That's what he wants to do when he retires from football. So uh, that's why I rooted for him. So whatever, go Eagles. I don't care. <laughs> I don't care at all. And last but not least, oh, by the way, uh, one one thing, I, it's not – I don't have a news article, but um, the shooting that happened in Florida has been on all over Facebook. You guys have <laughs> oh, heard yeah. about it. 17 <coughs> passed away. I don't. I don't give a crap about the the political debates. It's stupid. I don't. Mm. I don't care. Whatever. Take away the guns. Don't take away the guns. But pray for the families. Right. And um, seriously, just be in prayer for uh, what's going on there in our nation. Uh, I think that there's a serious uh, psychological and spiritual issue that's going on in our nation. Yeah. Um, you know, I was talking to a friend at lunch about all this stuff, and. I- I really feel like our society in general has crossed a Rubicon. Mm. Like, I don't think there's any way back from this. I mean, I think we, I think that without persecution, without something drastic, nothing's going to change. We've become a nation of complacency. We've become a nation of, of um, entitlement. I mean, it's just, it's weak. And it's gonna. We're gonna see more of this until there is something major right. that breaks it, that stops it. And uh, I mean, I hate to say that, but I just kind of think that's where we are. Breaks we're we're in a spiritual uh, lull mm-hmm. when it comes to that type of thing. So definitely be in prayer. And I know people are saying, "Well, what good are thoughts and prayers?" But honestly, prayer is the best thing you can do according I, to scripture. Oh, I agree. So we need to be in prayer for. Uh, those people and and our lawmakers and everything else. Um, last but not least, least least Gloria Copeland recommends fighting flu with the word of God. Is this the article that Melanie sent you? Gloria Copeland, <laughs> a North Texas-based televangelist and representative of the Kenneth Copeland Ministries, says that you should. Inoculate yourself with the word of God when it comes to flu prevention. In a video posted on Facebook last week, Kelpin said, We don't have a flu season. We have a duck season, a deer season, but we don't have a flu season. And don't receive it when somebody threatens you with everybody's getting a flu. We already had our shot. He bore our sickness and carried our disease. Copeland is, of course, referring wow. to Jesus Christ and the uh, falling back on scriptures a means for fighting illness. The Bible says he himself bore our sickness and carried our disease, and by his stripes we are healed. When we were healed, we were healed. So get on the word, stay on the word, Copeland said in the video, which is embedded below. Uh, you can read that, <laughs> by the way. Just keep saying, uh, this is from Channel 5, by the way. Just keep saying, I'll never have the flu. I'll never have the flu. Inoculate yourself with the word of God. <laughs> I'll never have the flu. So that's what I've been doing. And you know what? I haven't got it's the flu worked. yet. It's Hallelujah. Praise the Lord tomorrow yeah. when I get the flu just because God is like that. <laughs> He's like, oh, he does have oh, a, really? He has a sense of oh, humor. Oh, he does. Like, yeah. he will definitely, like, oh, okay. Inoculate me. Inoculate this, buddy. Yeah, exactly. Like, you will that's, love me after this. That's all I got. <laughs> you ready to get out of here, David? Yeah, I think it's, I... It's been a nice foray back into uh, Theonauts. Yes. I've been, I've, I've enjoyed and, it thoroughly. Uh, yes, thank you guys for your support. Thank yes. you for listening. Thank you for you, you guys who give us money, actually, for this. I it don't know what's amazing. wrong with you. <laughs> <laughs>
But we're blessed because but, of yes, it. Yes, we are definitely blessed for that. And uh, we love you guys Amen. so much. So let's get out of here. The Theonauts are part of the Great Commission Transmission Network, using new media and social networking to go in all the world and to proclaim the good news to everyone. To find out more, go to gctnetwork.com, subscribe to the newsletter, and stay up to date with all of our shows, including Finding Christ in Cinema. Cinema. Wow. Visit our website. Wait a minute. I didn't get. I didn't finish. Oh, and. And the Secret Fire Podcast. Sorry, it's not on the notes. You need to update this. I know. Visit our website at theonautspodcast.com for show notes and outlines. Listen to us on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, or your favorite podcast catcher. And be sure to rate us because that helps us reach a larger audience. There are several ways you can contact us and leave us feedback. Send us email to theonauts at gctnetwork.com or call us on our voicemail line, which is 972-885-7270. Tweet to us on Twitter using at Theonautical. Like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Theonauts. If you like us and want more Theonauts, drop us a buck or two at patreon.com slash Theonauts. Your patronage helps us in our expenses like hosting fees and equipment costs. Don't forget to tune in again and explore the vast reaches of God's Word with us. All right, Jeremiah, thanks for being here, brother. Thank you, David. All right, God bless you. This has been the Theonauts Podcast. Call us with your questions or comments at 972-885-7270. That's 972-885-7270. We'd love to hear from you. You are tuned in to the GCT Network. This is your Great Commission Transmission at GCTNetwork.com. This is your Great Commission Transmission. What's that? Oh, look, it's Jesus. And he said, Stop it! <laughs>